0: everyone sorry I didn't put an advertisement out this morning so you potentially might not know there is a Bible study today but there is a Bible study today so people might just have to catch this later on the uh, uh, family church Facebook page or you can watch it on podcasts I I am told so there you go wonderful wonderful so yeah just um I don't know who's tuning in today or who'll be watching this later, but today is one that is very special to me because it is one of my favorite accounts in the, in the New Testament. Um, and I'm really excited to be talking about this one today. And that account is going to be Jesus um, commanding the wind and the waves uh, to, to cease. And that's one of my absolute favorite stories in the New Testament. And I'm just really excited to be talking about that with you today. All right. Well, like I said last week, we are going to try to keep this um, not too long. So we're going to, we're just going to go for it. Okay. All right. We're in Matthew chapter eight today and we are in verses 23 through 27. Okay. Matthew 8. 23 through 27. I am going to apologize in advance for my little dog Poppy, who just been very barky this morning. So mm, I don't know what's going to happen. If she is, I'll just grab her and give her a nice snuggle while we teach and rub her little head. But there you go. Okay, Matthew 8, 23 through 27. And in my Bible, this is entitled The Wind and the Waves Obey Jesus. Now, our account today in the New Testament here. Um, begins on the Sea of Galilee, or should I say continues on the Sea of Galilee, and good morning to everyone. Good morning to everyone that's uh, that's coming on now. Sorry again that I did not put a, an advertisement this morning. Um, I don't know what happened. The morning just slipped away. And I thought, well, it's nearly time for Bible study. I'll just go for it and see who turns up. <laughs> All right. So Matthew 8, 23 through 27. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Wow. Good morning from Pakistan to you too. Wonderful. Okay. Matthew 8, 23 through 27. And like I said, this story continues from last week. Now, Jesus was with his disciples and he saw a great crowd. And he actually said to the crowd, and we talked about this last week, Um, come on guys, let's go to the other side. Jesus wanted to avoid the crowd and uh, yeah, he was trying to get away from the crowd. And we talked about that last week that, you know, that's a little unusual because a teacher should want a crowd, but we know he was tired, wasn't he? He was tired. So he was telling his guys, let's get in a boat, let's go to the other side. Now where were were they? They were going to get into a boat on the Sea of Galilee. And I have actually been there to the Sea of Galilee. It is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful place. It does not, it is actually a lake, okay? They call it the Sea of Galilee. Um, I am not exactly sure why they call it the Sea of Galilee. What I read about why they call it a sea instead of a lake is that um, it's just called a sea by tradition. It is very, very large. It is 64, 64 square miles. So that is huge for a lake, huge, huge, huge. So they call it the Sea of Galilee. Um, On a modern map, it's going to be uh, called Lake Galilee or Lake Tiberius, if you were looking on a modern map. Um, It is the largest freshwater lake in Israel, yes it is, and it is known for its sudden violent storms. Now the day that I went to go see it, it was lovely, it was absolutely beautiful. The only, the only storm that day was in my stomach. I was absolutely so sick that day, sitting by the Sea of Galilee, wanting to be sick, watching the, watching the waves on Galilee, thinking I am not okay. But that was the only, that was the only storm that day. Otherwise, the Sea of Galilee was beautiful. One day, maybe I'll see it again under better conditions with better health. Who knows? Hopefully. Okay. So it's known for its sudden and violent storms. Um, as we are going to see today um, in Matthew's account of what happened that day. Because this is also in uh, in some of the other Gospels as well. But we're, today we're discussing Matthew's account. So one of Jesus' best known sermons, which you were all there for. We talked about it in, in uh, quite uh, a lot of depth. is the Sermon on the Mount. One of Jesus' best known sermons, this Sermon on the Mount, was given um, on the northwestern shore of the sea of galilee okay on a hill on the northwestern shore of the sea of galilee so he a lot of ministry happened around this area and today it's a great pilgrimage site for many christians and it is also believed to be where jesus walked on water i feel like a tourist guide here for the sea of galilee i could i could probably do a good tour okay yes so all these wonderful things happened on the sea of galilee So like I said, last week, Jesus and his disciples, they were trying to get away from the crowd. And Jesus said, come on, let's go to the other side. So we see in verse 23, it says, let's just read it. It's only a few verses. I'm going to read it out to you. Uh, Yeah, from 23 to 27. Now, when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. Good disciples. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, and the boat was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. (laughs) Notice how it goes from this worrying moment to, but he was asleep. Verse 25. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us. We are perishing. But he said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, Who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? okay good stuff now um okay they got into a boat jesus gets in the boat the disciples follow him into the boat suddenly verse 24 that one of those violent storms that the sea of galilee is noted for it rises up to a point it says where the boat is covered with waves covered in waves violent high waves imagine this put yourself there for the moment lifting the boat and throwing the boat back down, twisting it, turning it, water getting in the boat. Now if the waves are higher than the boat, the the water's getting in, it it must have been windy and and, and, um, just shaking everywhere. Uh, Just violence happening all around, and Jesus is asleep in the boat. Um, Now, verse 25 says, then the disciples came to him and woke him saying, Lord, save us for we are perishing. Now I need you to understand something here because when I used to read this when I was younger, I used to think, oh, you know, they must have been like, you know, it's like when I get into a plane and it shakes a little bit and there's a little bit of turbulence and I get a little butterflies in my stomach. No, 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 it's not that this was genuinely a terrible, dangerous storm which you would not want to be in. Now, these men, the majority of these men were fishermen. Their life was on this lake, okay, on on the Sea of Galilee. And they understood the wind and the waves, what was safe, what was not safe, when was good conditions to be out, and when was not. They were reading the situation correctly. It was dangerous. These guys were not wimps who, you know, just saying, oh, Jesus, the boat's a little bit shaking here. It was a violent, crazy storm, okay? They were not being wimps. They were not being ridiculous to be concerned. This was what it is, what it was, (laughs) what it is and what it was. It was dangerous. It was bad. And they were right. It was a predicament that they found themselves in. You know, it's funny. When I was, um, when I was reading this, it reminded me of a movie that was made back in 2000 called The Perfect Storm. I don't know if you've ever seen it. But it's a story based on these true events of these six fishermen on a uh, fishing vessel called the Andrea Gale. This is based on true events. I don't know how true the story was to the original, but it's loosely based on it. And these fi- six fishermen went out, um, and while they went out on calm seas, I believe, and then as they went out, a perfect storm arose, which was a culmination of quite a number of storms. And um, it, it made an almighty storm, an almighty storm. Anyway, from this film, if you ever get a chance to watch it, think of this moment uh, when the guys were in the boat with Jesus and the wind and the waves came. Because the storm scenes in the boat are edge of your seat, scary, horrible, Really makes you understand what it would be like to be out on a boat in the middle of Tempestuous crazy weather uh, and, and being thrown about and that's where I get my um, My thinking about what it was like in that storm because it was bad Maybe you can google or go on um, YouTube and find um, Storm scenes from the perfect storm. What I'm saying is it was quite a storm. Okay, And when they said, Lord, save us from perishing, it was a bad storm. They were reading it right. I don't know if they were actually perishing. What they were saying is, Jesus, this is a really bad storm. And if if you don't do something, we're going to die. Okay? All right. Verse 25 says, the disciple, well, it says, but he was asleep. Isn't that what it says? Yeah. Um, No, no. That was verse 24. So the wind, the waves, blah, 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 blah. And in very stark contrast to the um upset of the disciples and the and the anxiety that we sense in in that verse where they say we're we're perishing it says but he was asleep and it's meant to be like that because that's what we are meant to feel like he's asleep he's there's a storm and jesus is out cold asleep okay we're meant to see a stark contrast in those, uh, in the nuance of how that's of how that's worded. Now, what we notice here, okay? He's asleep. What does this tell us? It tells me two things. Jesus was human, and he was showing his humanity, which is fine because he came in human form. He was God, but he was fully human, um, and he needed to rest. He said he was tired. He said, "Oh, the crowds, come on, guys, let's go to the other side." He needed to rest, and he was showing that he was exhausted. He was exhausted from all his ministry. So he's showing his humanity here. Number two, he wasn't worried about himself or his disciples dying in that storm. He was not worried, not the least little bit. Um, He had complete trust that his father was going to get them through. He had complete trust, thus the perfect beautiful sleep. Okay, so let's read verses 26 through 27. But he said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, who can this be, that even the winds and the sea obey him? They were marveling. They were like, you know, all of a sudden they were like, who is this guy that we are with, you know? So in verse 26, we see that Jesus is rebuking his disciples. Because that little, why are you fearful, O you of little faith, is actually... A gentle rebuke, unless I'm reading it wrong and you know, he was yelling it, but I doesn't say that it does the, the punctuation isn't such that makes me think he's yelling it. He's saying it and it's it's a it's a loving, gentle chide to these men who are his disciples. He is their rabbi, they are his pupils, they are he's their learning and he's teaching them. Jesus is always teaching them. He's always teaching them. He's always teaching us as well as we go as through life's journey, you know? So he's it's a gentle rebuke here to his disciples. And it's not because they woke him up. I'll put it that way right from the start. Don't think that Jesus was so tired they shook him with their problem and said, "Jesus, wake up." He wasn't grumpy. He wasn't having a bad day. It wasn't that, that that upset Jesus. It wasn't because he was just being grumpy. He was not in a bad mood. What he, but, but you do need to notice this, that first he rebukes them, and then he deals with the storm, okay? He sees their lack of faith as the bigger problem, and that's why he rebuked them. Not because he was grumpy, not because he was having a bad hair day, like man, come on! I was just having—I was having a great dream, guys, and you woke me up. Mm-mm-mm. He woke up with their with their with their um, cries, right? But it was actually their lack of faith that 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 was uh, concerning him. Okay, so he dealt with that—the bigger problem—first, then secondly, the next problem, which was the storm. Okay. And remember, Jesus didn't say, hey guys, this is only a little wobble. Why are you getting so upset about nothing? He didn't say that because like I said, it was a storm. It was a bad storm. And um, that wasn't the issue. The, The issue wasn't how bad the storm was. The issue was, hey guys, why do you have such a little bit of faith? That was the issue, okay? Their lack of faith in God is the big problem for Jesus. Oh, you of little faith. Now, in Greek, because this was written in Greek, wasn't it? Um, it means small faith or underdeveloped faith. Because everybody's got some faith. It says we all have faith the size of a mustard seed. So we're all, we're all on equal footing at, at the beginning of our, of our journey. That we all have a mustard seed, which is the tiniest, tiniest of seeds. Um, we all have that amount. But you see, it's whether we let it remain the size of a mustard seed, or are we going to do something about letting it grow? Are we going to do something about letting it... Because once a mustard seed is planted and grows, it is a giant, crazy bush. (laughs) Big, big. And that's what our faith has the capacity to become. It can go from tiny little mustard seed... To big, giant, blooming faith where we just trust God. When, yes, the big storms come and Jesus doesn't say, life's not hard. You're not going to find that in the Bible. He says, you know, you're going to have trouble in this life. You're never going to find in the Bible that says life's not hard. God gets it. Life is hard, okay? It's hard. If you've been alive for five seconds, you probably realize life is hard, all right? Not easy. Not easy. And harder for some than for others. But hard. Hard. right somewhere in everyone's journey will come difficulties all right it's just this how are we going to be when those difficulties come when we call those this is like a metaphor this storm is a metaphor for our lives for the storms for the things that happen in life that just seem to violently come out of nowhere you know things like illness things like unexpected bills things like um Unexpected family troubles, um, just, just things they just seem to just you know come out of nowhere and woof we're in the middle of a perfect storm and our boat of our life is being rocked and, and shaking and the water's getting in the boat. In that moment, do you want to hear those words? Why are you so fearful? oh you of little faith, you of underdeveloped faith of little faith That's what he's saying. He's describing a faith. Jesus is that lacks confidence and it trusts too little it trusts too little now this storm is bad and I think we could tend to read this and maybe we have in the past I know that I have in the past that Jesus is being a little harsh here with his guys rebuking them albeit a tender rebuke you know part of me thinks but they have a right to be afraid in, in a truly scary situation you know it's normal it's natural you know it's normal to get a doctor's report that's really bad and be scared of what the future might hold it's really scary and naturally that would be our response like to the current social um not social climate the current um financial climate here in the uk is such that we get bad news every single night on the news and if you've got a phone every single day it's an update on your phone of the bad news we don't hear the good news Good news doesn't sell. It's the bad news. And the bad news is pretty bad. Our electricity's going up. Our energy costs are going up. The price of gas is going up. The price of food is going up. And they're, they're saying that uh, your normal average middle class family is not going to be able to afford to eat to heat their homes in a very cold British winter. It's cold here in the winter. And they're saying that families have to choose between heat and eat. You know? Do we eat this week or do we put the heat on this week? And that is scary. And that is, and wherever you are in the world, wherever you're watching from, there's scary situations all about us. It's natural, it's normal to be scared. But what I think that Jesus is saying that although it's natural and although it's normal, we, the children of God, are spiritual people. First and foremost, we are spiritual people. And we need to be feeding our faith. That little mustard seed of faith doesn't have to stay a little mustard seed. It says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, which you're hearing right now. The scriptures are the word of God. Sermons that you hear are words of God. Um, I would even say that music, when it's scriptural and and based on, on true scripture, is hearing the Word of God. Did you ever have a song that so encouraged you? Um, There are some modern music and even some hymns. Um, Just the other night, we had a worship night at uh, our church, and um, they started to break into Great is Your Faithfulness, that hymn. Great is your faithfulness, great is your faithfulness, morning by morning new mercies I see wow let me tell you as we just kept declaring great is your faithfulness great is your faithfulness it just started my faith just started to lift for all the things that i went in burdened about i began to see yes god is faithful he is with me he is watching me he is helping me he is in my boat in the storm he is in my boat He's in your boat, friend. He's in your boat. The boat might be shaking and, and lifting and, and filling with water. And the natural response is, Ah, we're perishing. Don't you even care that we're perishing, Jesus? And Jesus says, Why do you have such little underdeveloped faith? Come on, come on. Let's look at the scripture now. Let's build your faith up. Come on, hasn't God been faithful? Hasn't he answered prayers before? Haven't you seen wonderful things before? When Jesus walks into a room of your life, when he gets into the boat of your life, you know, it says nothing's impossible with God. So where God is present, nothing is impossible. Nothing's impossible. And we need to keep telling ourselves these things because our natural self will worry and that's what the flesh does. But the spiritual side of our self, our faith in our heart, we need to be trusting God and that comes by building up your faith. And building up your faith by the word of God, and by remembering all the good he did for you, and reading the scriptures and reminding yourself of the promises of God. Why was Jesus marveling at their lack of faith? I'll tell you why. Because they've been traveling with him up to this point, even in just like the previous chapter jesus was doing mighty miracles in which these men were present and saw people being healed like amazing healings like very visual healings you know like people you know rising up off their deathbed kind of healings um but they weren't remembering those things. They were not recalling those things. They had their eyes so focused on, on the storm and on the wind and on the waves that they forgot that Jesus had just done in their presence some amazing things that were jaw-dropping miracles. Um, also, you know, Jesus' lack of fear should have encouraged them You know, I'll tell you something right now. I'm not thrilled with airplane flying. I'm I'm just not a brilliant passenger. I wish I could say I was just, whoa, I love it. My family loves it. I don't love it, okay? I I do it, and it doesn't stop me, and it'll never stop me. I'll get on an airplane wherever I have to go. But when that plane starts to shake, you better believe I am quoting scripture and (laughs) praying and saying, Jesus, if this is the time and I'm coming to meet you, then Lord, you know, just, take me quick lord <laughs> but i'll tell you right now you know what i do one of my little coping mechanisms i look at the cabin crew if they're not worried i'm not worried i really it's true i look at the cabin crew and i'm like this plane is all over the place it's shaken like a goddamn but you know what the cabin crew's walking around they're laughing they're tidying up they're serving the drinks this one over here is you know asking people you know are they comfortable I look at the cabin crew. They're chill. I'm chill. They should have looked at Jesus and thought, well, Jesus has come. He must have got this under control. You know, he's not freaking out. Jesus in our boat. Let me tell you right now. I don't care what the situation is, how bad it looks, how ugly the situation. Jesus is not freaking out. He's not freaking out. He's not worried. You know why? Because he knows God is good. He knows God's got this. He knows he's watching out for the situation. He's in your boat. He's in your boat, guys. And he don't look worried, so you don't need to look worried. All right? Take that as a word from God for you out there. He's in the boat. He's not worried. You shouldn't be worried either. Um, there's also something else happening here. It's quite it's quite deep. Jesus is showing himself to these men. He's showing them that he is God. How so? Because these are Hebrew men. They would have been in... Um, They would have been in the hearing the scriptures being read when they went to the temple, right? All right. Well, they would have heard this, okay? Psalm 89, 9. Now, this is from the Old Testament, and this is about God. You rule over the surging sea when its waves mount up. You still them. That's Psalm 89, 9, and that speaks of God. Listen to this, Psalm 107, 28 through 30. You're going to think I'm telling the story of the New Testament here. This is the Old Testament in the Psalms, one o seven twenty eight through 30. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He calmed the storm to a whisper, and the waves of the sea were hushed. They rejoiced in the silence, and he guided them to the harbor they desired. That is exactly the account that is happening in the book of Matthew, is what is being described in Psalm 107. In Psalm 107, metaphorically, the, the, the psalm writer is saying, you know, they cried out to God in, in trouble and in, like in a storm, blah, blah, you know, and he brought them to the desert. Well, in an actual storm, the same thing is happening. Isn't that beautiful? God is saying to them without saying it, I'm God, guys. I am God. I control, I made it all. I control it all. I made your body. I know what it needs. I made the wind. I can tell it to stop. I made the waves. I can tell it to cease. And I am in control, even if the situation seems like it's out of control. So that's the comfort in it all, is that he's telling us he's God. God is in control. He's in the boat of our life on these choppy seas, these storms of life. And the bigger problem than the obvious problem, the money problem, the health issue, the family situation, whatever it is, is are we trusting him? That's the true issue here. Do we have faith? Do we have faith? That is the actual issue. And why is that the bigger issue? Why? Jesus could have calmed the storm and then everybody would have calmed down. You know? Jesus could take away the illness and and everybody will be calm. Jesus could just, you know, let money rain from heaven. Money problem sorted. Because this this is why faith is the biggest issue here and not the issue itself. It's because it's faith that pleases God. That's what the scripture says. Without faith, we cannot please God. It's faith that moves God. Faith moves the hand of God. Worry and anxiety say so much about what's in our heart. You know, we're, when we're filled with worry and anxiety, okay, we get the initial worry and anxiety, but do we remain that way? When we remain in a place where we, don't, where we worry and have anxiety, we're not trusting God. We don't think he's truthful to his word or able. This is what we're saying when we remain in worry and anxiety. We don't believe, like the scripture says, that I am with you in trouble, that I will never leave you nor forsake you. We're saying, no, that's not true, God. You've left me. I don't believe you're here anymore. I don't believe you can help me or will help me. Um, I've even heard a minister once, and it really was so thought-provoking. It says, anxiety and worry are a type of atheism. It's a type of saying there is no God in this situation. God is not here. God will not help me. And God will not save me. And God will not bring good out of what this, what's happening here. It's, he called it a practical atheism. I don't ever want to be like that. I always want to be trusting God. And even if I'm worried and anxious, I want to come to God and say, I'm worried, I'm anxious, but I don't want to be. And I know that the word is true. And I'm going to say the word, and speak the word, and look at the word, and remind myself until that worry and anxiety stops and ceases. Let me read uh, a couple of scriptures here, and then we're going to be finished. I told you I was going to try to keep it, keep it, uh, keep it light. Right now, I'm going to read. I'm going to read Hebrews 4:3, and it's from the Amplified Bible. For we who believe. That is, we who personally trust and confidently rely on God enter that rest. We enter a rest where there's no worry, there's no anxiety, there's no striving. and ah! So we have his inner peace. And now, because we are confident in our salvation and assured of his power, just as he has said, as I swore an oath in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, this he said. Although his works were completed from the foundation of the world, waiting for all who would believe. What he's saying in that scripture, Hebrews 4, 3, and I like it in the Amplified, is we've now entered a rest. As we trust in God, we enter into rest, into calm. Okay? So that even if the boat's shaken, we're not shaking. All right? Let me read Philippians 4, 6 through 8. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything... By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's a promise. It's a promise. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, Think on these things. That's Philippians 4, 6 through 8. I love that first part. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Worry does nothing. Anxiety does nothing. Oh no, it does something. It makes us sick. But prayer and petition to God does so much. It's powerful, the Word of God says. The Word of God says that our prayers are are powerful and as we bring our prayers and our petitions and thanksgiving what do we do with thanksgiving thanksgiving is thanking god for things he's already done it's remembering all the good stuff he's done hey remember that time sometimes i think we need to sit and write stuff down um that we're thankful for that he's already done god thank you that you healed my daughter when she was so ill and there was no hope Thank you, God, that last week when I had that headache, Lord, I prayed and you took it away. Thank you, God, that in that situation that I didn't have any solution for, you brought a solution. And I was able to keep going in in the situation I was in because you took care of it, Lord. We We give thanksgiving for the things that already happened. And in doing so, we're reminding our soul, God is on this. God is with us. He's always working on our behalf, and he's always in our boat. No, it doesn't always look like um, like we want it to. The guys in that boat didn't want to be scolded for not having faith. They just wanted Jesus to get rid of the storm, and that's it. But Jesus said, no, first got to take care of first things first. And the first thing was the most important thing, was they weren't trusting God. So that's what he had to deal with first. And sometimes he's going to do that with us, As well. He's going to deal with what he believes is first things first. Let him do it. And in the process, trust him that as you do what he says and as you're obedient and pray, have petitions to God, bring it all to God with thanksgiving, that the peace of God that passes all understanding, doesn't make any sense to our natural, is going to guard our heart and our mind, okay? And I'm going to leave you with this one verse. This is a beautiful scripture. This is the one that I hang on to. I clutch with both hands. I used to have a bracelet that had this emblazoned in the leather of the bracelet, but I'd given it to a friend because she needed it more at the moment. Um, and it was this scripture, Isaiah 46, 4. I think it's my all-time favorite scripture when I'm in a shaky boat. It's definitely the one that I am proclaiming on the airplanes when they're shaken about. I'll tell you that right now. You know what, what is it? What is Gina thinking right now? It's Isaiah 46, 4. That's what she's thinking right now. And it's this, even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he, I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you and I will sustain you and I will rescue you. So I give you that one for free, Isaiah 46.4. Take that little nugget of gold, that beautiful promise. Take that one, grab onto it with both hands for whatever situation you're in and say, thank you, Jesus. I believe that, that you are with me even to my old age, God. You're never gonna leave me. You will sustain me, you've made me, you will carry me and you will rescue me. Wonderful. Declare that over yourself today because God is in control of the wind and the waves. Have a wonderful week. I hope you've been very blessed and I hope that this really spoke to your heart today. God bless.